0: Welcome to the Every Gamer Podcast. I am Nick Wells. And I am
1: Ben, aka Sketch256 on Twitch.
0: Yeah, today we're going to talk about good games and bad games and games that were bad that became good. Uh, This should be a pretty interesting one Yeah, uh, because a lot of these we've played, some of them we haven't, but uh, if you've been keeping up with any sort of game news, you've probably heard about them. And uh, we're going to try and get into, um, first of all, the characteristics, what makes some goods Some game's good and some game's bad. Um, But there's kind of general rules and observations that um, we've seen in a lot of these uh, that make them fall into one category or another um, or go
1: from one category to the other. Right. Um, So you want to start us off? So I'd say, like, broadly, I mean, this may not be surprising to anyone, but it's just we like to think analytically or whatever. So, um, I mean... Evaluating a game kind of falls into two different categories. You have the technological aspects of the game and the artistic artistic aspects of the game. Yeah. And the technological pieces are just, does it function? Sure. Know? Does it work? Like Superman Nintendo 64 was a bad game, not not solely because it was artistic, but also because it was broken. Right, absolutely. <laughs> like people couldn't play it, and so it was a bad game. People couldn't even get to the artistic aspect of it. Uh, and then you have things like the artistic aspect, like we uh, I mentioned, that are things like is the story engaging? Sure. Like, and that will be more subjective. Like, bugs are pretty objective. They happen or they don't. Yeah. A story being engaging to some people is going to be variable based on the people. Sure. Uh, Or um, how much fun it is. You know, it's like that. that's something that's going to vary from person to person. But it seems like generally the best games are fun for a lot of people. And they have limited technological things that keep them from enjoying that. Right, and So that's kind of the way that we're going to be... Just give you guys a heads up about how we're going to be like classifying games as either good or bad, and kind of talk about what made them good, good or bad. And of course, this is our opinion, but sure. our opinion is fact, so deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, we
0: seem to align with a lot of people, like uh, what we think is a good game, what we think is a bad game. Um, and we also have our varying opinions on, on those things. Uh, sometimes yeah. we don't agree with, with a lot of the... Um, backlash that some of these developers get for
1: for some of their games and sometimes we think they need more yeah exactly um (laughs) well the i wouldn't say the devs necessarily always need backlash but as far as just like saying a game is good or bad sure sometimes i think there's bandwagon moments for the positive and negative absolutely and i think this this is one of the reasons why we want to talk about we want to talk about it because it's fun to think about like Mm -hmm. we want to talk about good versus bad just because we we're we're people who like excellence and we like celebrating it and we also like. Evaluating things that are not so much. And I think that's something that appeals to a lot of gamers in general. So we just, we wanted, and we thought it'd be fun to talk about.
0: Yep. First of all, what are you playing? You playing anything new? Anything different?
1: I'm playing a a lot of the same stuff I was playing last time, but um, I'm playing more Apex Legends. Sure. And I'm playing. Uh, Slay the Spire kind of when I can. Um, sure. But like for my stream time, it's been Apex Legends because that's something I can play with Buds. Yeah. And then if I just have 15 minutes or an hour or whatever and I, I can't really play with other people, I'll play Slay the Spire. And that's, it's just it's so much fun. I haven't played too much uh, Destiny though. Right? I haven't played Destiny in probably a month. Like, I mean, I maybe not that long. It's been at least three weeks. Yeah. Um, I just, it's not because there's, there's anything wrong with the game. It's just it's kind of a lull at the moment of stuff that I'd be interested in doing. Right. So I'm just exploring and playing other games, which I think is healthy. Yeah. You've also hit a point in the game,
0: I think, where you've gotten pretty much most of what you wanted.
1: Well, there's a lot in the game I still don't have yet that I would like to get, but it's just I just want to try out and play some other stuff. Yeah. You know?
0: Mm-hmm. I get you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I haven't actually played, uh, other than Apex Legends with, with you yeah. and Pony and the other guys, um, I haven't really played video games as much um, I've been uh, mostly playing a board game every once in a while okay um, what game uh, there's a game called Legendary uh, which is a really cool deck building game cool uh, which I thought you would you would enjoy yeah I probably would uh, there's also a game called Tiny Epic Zombies which is pretty fun <laughs> um, Munchkin Harry Potter uh, but it's actually a that game that cool. I, I, I can play with my wife um, you know it'll take like an hour because uh, when I sit down and play a video game a lot of times I want to game for three four hours but yeah you know, some of these board games, you can you can play one in like 40, 40 minutes, an hour. Right. And my wife doesn't play video games, so it's something that we can can hang out and play play together, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um. Not for the not because I don't want to play video games. It's just uh, I just haven't jumped on it in, in a little bit, and I really want to get back on Destiny too, because Destiny is a fun game. It just really is. And um, yeah. You know, I think one of the the shortfalls of Apex Legends is you only have a team of three, hmm. and most of the time we can we end up having four or five people that are online, right. and so it right. kind of splits our, our crew up a yeah. little bit. Okay, so let's uh, get into it. Uh, bad games. The first one I think we want to talk about is Fallout seventy six. Yes. Uh, so kind of going into um, technical and creative
1: um, side of it, why is this a bad game? <laughs> Well, it's it's just one of those things where it's like I as soon as I want to say it's a bad game, uh, I have a buddy I work with who loves that game. Yeah, he he really had a great time with it, and it's just one of those things where I remember when I was a kid, I had to go to the grocery store with my mom, <laughs> and and the grocery store is not designed to be fun for kids, right? Yep. Uh, but when you're a kid, like you can have fun with lots of things. Like, I would pretend I was like a super spy hiding in the clothing racks, you know? And by the time that it was time to go, I had immersed myself so much in this, like, in my own imagination and in my experience of what's happening that I was having a good time. Sure. And my mom would be like, all right, it's time to go. And I'd be a little bummed. I'd be bummed about having to leave the grocery store. Right. Until I remembered that I was going home where I had toys and a TV and video games and right. <laughs> my backyard with my basketball goal and all that stuff that was actually designed to be fun. right? <laughs> and then I was like, oh, this is way better. I don't want to go back to the grocery store to do that. And I, and I think, so as far as, like, if you're enjoying Fallout 76, good for you. Like, yeah. that's fantastic. However, I think for the most part, people found it to be poor both technologically and artistically.
0: Yeah, and it's hard because it's following... Uh, Fallout Four that came out. Yeah. I mean, it was a while ago, but it's based off the same engine. Everything is kind of based off that. The the fort building, everything. Um, and I think uh, kind of going to where your uh, your story is in the grocery store expectations. Mm-hmm. Uh, people were expecting a new game. They were expecting a different game, but essentially, what you got is more of Fallout Four, but. Um, you're missing a lot of the things that made Fallout 4 good. So like the the bullet time thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, We actually talked about this with Red Dead and some of the other um, Rockstar games kind of um, translating from a single-player game to a multiplayer game. You go from something that's more focused on story and then multiplayer, which is not really so much focused on story but how you're interacting with other people. Mm -hmm. Um, It doesn't necessarily translate all the time.
1: Yeah. And so it's just one of those things where I'll be honest, I haven't played Fallout 76 and that's because of what I saw. What I saw was a game that was released that wasn't really interesting to me in the first place. Like even if Fallout 76 was like fantastic, I may not have gotten it just because I have to be fairly economic with my time and my money. And so I may not have gotten it. But then what I saw was this game that like really didn't seem to improve or add on to the Fallout universe in any way other than allow multiplayer to happen. But then in doing so a lot of the core mechanics of fallout games were kind of at odds with this sure. like i remember i was watching a stream i watched a few streams and i kept on going like that person won't stop talking like they won't shut up and i remember and i was like is this annoying to anyone else it's these these audio logs that you're finding of these npcs right. that are dead now um, and you listen to these audio logs and they are long <laughs> they're super long and these guys are trying to play The game with each other, but they can't get a word in because this other person won't shut up in this audio log. And so it's like these core mechanics of the Fallout game, they're at war with each other. Like you have this thing that we want to tell a great story, but you can't tell a great story because you're three of three other buds who are you're trying to hang out with them and create your own stories. but You can't toggle that thing off or, you know, it's just like poorly implemented, poorly designed, technically flawed. I mean, I saw so many clips of bug after bug after bug after bug, like enemies in T-Pose, uh, right. like massive amounts of information just like popping up on the screen because it wouldn't load. Right. <laughs> Even on like top tier computer systems, like right. just failing. And so it's one of those things like artistically, it wasn't very ambitious or engaging. Mm-hmm. And technologically speaking, you kept on getting interrupted from whatever artistic experience was there. Right. And so it's one of those things where I, I feel pretty confident saying that the... the, the the Fallout 76 that was released was pretty objectively bad. Sure. Like, I know that subjectively there's gonna be different experiences and that's great for you. But, uh, you know, at the same time, it's like, there's nothing in me that made me want to go play that game after what I saw.
0: Yeah, I think one of the the things that Bethesda has going for them in any of the games, Skyrim, um, Oblivion, Fallout 3, the big thing that drives the games forward are the NPCs and to take them out. Yeah, yeah, the story. To take those out... Um, or the NPCs out Mm -hmm. and being able to tell that story was a huge misstep uh, because now at this point, again, everything has to be heard over an audio log and that that completely deadens the world. So a lot of the critique I heard was you have this massive, beautiful open world, but it's empty. Mm -hmm. Um, And at first, I think that that does give you the feel of the apocalypse being alone and all these people died, but, you know, 10 hours in that's going to get super annoying right right. and you'd want some uh some npc to interact with on some level and so i think that was a huge misstep they keep saying that you know you're supposed to interact with the other um with the other players in the game but you know you can't rely on them to push the forward the story
1: forward you have to rely on the npc's well, and again, like that's where it's like those two ideas are at odds with each other because if you want to pay attention to the story, you can't because your friends are talking. Right. If you're if you're supposed to, the whole idea is like Skill Up says it really well. He's like, is it better with friends? Like when you, you can't you can't hear the audio log because your friend won't shut up. Right. Like is it better with other people if you're just minding your own business and someone walks up and you don't have the option to be able to make them be quiet and they're yelling racial slurs yeah. or whatever. You know, it's like they have these different elements that you just – you, it's so hard because, like, I have a ton of amount. I have a ton of respect and empathy for developers. Sure. And just because to spend this much time and effort and energy on a product and then have it be ripped to shreds, it's got to feel horrible. Like oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure it feels terrible to feel that way and to receive all these critiques from people who don't make games. Mm-hmm. Too. You know, I I would it would take everything in me not to not to just yell at these people like like what we're doing right now. Yeah. Right. At the same time, from our perspective, it looks like. Did y'all think this was fun? Hmm. Like like where in your playtest was it fun to listen to a 5-minute audio log? Right. Like where where was that enjoyable? And then you you have to then it eventually you go there's no way they thought it was, but something happened. Like either it got pushed out before it was ready or and that could be the um, publisher's deal partially, but at, with the Bethesda situation, they're the developer and publisher. Right. So in some ways you think they have the freedom to be able to really make the game what it ought to be. Well, getting into the uh, kind of the development
0: side, um, usually they don't play test long sessions like that. Usually they're trying to find game-breaking bugs They're mm-hmm. doing things over and over or yeah. they're doing specific things. But I don't think in QA they have someone that sits down for 40, 50 hours and right. tries to play through the entire game. Right. I don't think they do that, Mm-mm. which is why they do betas and stuff like that. But even then, I think people knew when the beta came out that this game isn't complete hopefully they're going to fix some stuff before the game comes out and of course that never happens Right, Um, which kind of is weird because I think betas should be more of like this game is going to release in a year let's put the beta out Mm -hmm. figure out what needs to be fixed or changed now we have a year to fix it rather than a month before right. or two weeks before. Right. Um, that doesn't really give time to, to do any, any fixes.
1: It's like the terminology is weird. It's, it's like it should have been called a demo. Sure. You know, because really that's what it was. Tech that was basically the finished product. And there is still, there's still this kind of uh, narrative going around in the gaming community from years and years and years ago when you could play a beta mm-hmm. and it might be several months before the game comes out and the stuff you're reporting could get fixed but it wouldn't be entire mechanics of the game it wouldn't be the entire story it wouldn't be massive overhauls to the graphics or whatever it would be performance stuff it would be battle like i I remember taking part in the halo reach beta and it's like does this weapon work well does this ability work well what's your feedback what bugs did you run into that stuff could conceivably be fixed you can balance that stuff but you can't do that with like the entire story needs to be rewritten right or the entire way you deliver story needs to be overhauled because right. yeah, then then you don't have the NPCs there to do it. But mm. I think um, I think a a
0: big um, a big part of that. So if we look at um, let's say two demos that that I played or betas that I played, yeah, um, Anthem, yeah, and the Division, yeah, like Anthem felt like an incomplete demo, incomplete yeah. beta. It yeah. didn't. It it felt like. It felt like the dev, devs built did a build and asked you to come in just to check it out. Right. It didn't feel like a
1: beta. It didn't feel like it was a complete. Well, and they did call it a demo. Um, both of those were called demos, but mm-hmm. it, it, yeah, it was an older build. It wasn't the final release version of the game that Which you, can dem- you can demo. But yeah,
0: but that's a bad. That's a bad thing in itself because mm-hmm. essentially that doesn't feel like give us critiques on how the game should be better. That's more of like. This is what we're working on. Right. Check it out. Mm. The Division was actually, it felt so complete and it felt so like true to the game. Mm. And you can feel the differences. There weren't anything that broke the game for me. Yeah. Uh, I didn't run into any issues. Anthem, I ran into crazy issues everywhere. Oh, yeah. But the Division just felt fully fleshed out. They had a few missions that you can play. Mm-hmm. Um, the world felt alive like it would in, in any in the first Division game or probably how Division 2 is going to feel. Yeah. It didn't feel like like it did when you're walking through um, Tarsus and uh, Anthem. Yeah. Everything felt dead. It felt stale. It didn't feel true to what the game might be like. But the Division 2, yeah. that actually felt like what the game could actually be. If they gave me more of this, I would be happy with this right. game. Right, right. Uh, Anthem, I just felt like this is kind of disappointing.
1: Yeah, and just moving on to the next topic or the next game, it's like Anthem has just come out. Sure. And on our, t- you know, I'm not sure when this podcast is going to be released, but Anthem just was officially released like yesterday. Yeah. Um, and so it's one of those things where I played the demo, and like technologically speaking, it had issues sure. that kept me away from the artistic experience. Like I can remember several bugs happening, lots of rubber banding in the game, which makes you wonder like I don't really know why they decided to go with a uh, dedicated servers for a game that doesn't have any PvP right um, Of course you know and I don't understand all that stuff, but I know that usually when a game has PvP that's when people demand dedicated servers right um, And this game has them, but the issue that you have there is that if someone's got a poor connection, then you are rubber banding all over the place, like your character moves forward and then backward and then jerky all over the place. And so right. that happened. I had, I had one bug where <laughs> I had one bug where my character didn't have a head for an entire mission. Uh, all of my very HUD, disorienting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> like he's having a bad day. Yeah, <laughs> uh, my HUD was incorrect. It kept on giving me like in- incorrect information about when I had abilities ready and all this right. stuff. And but I think the hard... the. The hard thing about it is, I'm not willing to say that Anthem is a bad game. Mm. Like I don't, I don't think that. And I will say that Bioware has been crazy responsive about sure. stuff. Like they have been really on the ball about saying we're we're addressing this, that kind of stuff. I can say for me, it feels it 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 doesn't quite have that soul of something. Like, sure. Like I played I played Destiny one, and like that game gets ragged on all the time, and I understand why. But I will say. I played Destiny 1, and I was immediately hooked. Yeah. Like, I was hooked by the gameplay. Uh, I was hooked by the world that I was in. And I could tell that everywhere I was going, in some ways, had a personality. It felt lived in, in some ways. It felt different. And, And I will say, like, I've been watching a lot of Anthem streams and Anthem gameplay, I can't tell a difference from any part of the world that they're in.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like
1: I watch one clip and it looks almost exact. It looks almost identical to another clip that I see, mm-hmm. and it's like I know that there are specific ruins in different places, but the entire world looks the same to me.
0: Yeah, everything feels washed out, kind of.
1: It, it's, the game itself is beautiful like yeah. i think graphically speaking it's beautiful but the world doesn't feel alive mm-hmm. or unique it feels like i watched the same clip happen over and over and over and over and over again but that clip and this is the issue too because every game is arguably repetitive like sure. you're doing the same thing over and over again but you don't realize you're not you're doing that because you're having a good time doing it sure for me anthem was just not that like sure. i try to play and this is again this is totally subjective that artistic aspect of the fun just wasn't there for me. Right. I got played, and I could do things, and when technologically when it was working, it's like, hey, I'm flying around. And after about two or three hours of that, I was like, well, I'm good. Like yeah. I, I tried the demo, and I felt no drive at all to buy the game. Yeah. After and,
0: that initial kind of uh, nostalgia, or not nostalgia, but the the novelty of the, the right. flying and the, yes. the shooting mechanics and everything. And
1: that's the that's the thing that scares me about that game, and and people who like it, like I'm afraid that that novelty is going to wear off. Mm. For people who purchase it or go for it, and and that might wear off kind of soon, yeah. And then you're like, I don't really know why I'm doing all the rest of this stuff, right? So, and I, again, I wouldn't say it's a bad game. I think that it's going to be great, but that kind of leads into this other topic of games that have been released that are just kind of they're okay, but they're like half baked, sure. You know, um, and I think so we have had several games come out in the past few years that fit that type of game yeah like we had like I said Destiny came out mm-hmm. and it was mechanically sound story was horrible yeah <laughs> if you could call it that and then but it had some interesting end game and stuff like and then they iterated on the game and it became better right the same thing with Destiny 2 actually right <laughs> uh, and then you have games like No Man's Sky and The Division that also did this thing where they're like we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna make this game and people are getting excited about it and then it comes out and it just feels half realized right which is
0: which is an interesting thing because I, before uh, a game couldn't do that. Um, no. Before the digital downloads, before any you, the ability to do patches. Right. A game couldn't do that. It would have to release, and that's the game you got. Yeah. Um, but now we have the the we're in that era of um, let's just push the game out, and then we'll do a day one patch. Right. I hate that. There's a phrase like that. Day right. one patch. Right. Right. Um, and uh, so that kind of allows a little more flexibility as far as pushing a game out too early, mm-hmm. um, which I, I think is, is it's just a bad idea. I mean, you got companies like uh, CD Projekt Red. Right. Um, they will take as much time as they need to polish a game and right. make sure it works well. Yeah. And I think that is amazing. Um, and I think that's one of the biggest issues, which I think a lot of people agree, is that the publishers are really kind of ruining... Uh, games because like right. me I, I'm i not the kind of person that buys a game on day one um, I don't like to because I know they're going to have bugs and mm-hmm. most of the time I'm probably going to play a game once but I'm going to sink like 100, 120 200 hours into it right. so I don't want to start that off with there being bugs or there being things that screw up the gameplay for me or make me wish I wasn't playing the game Right. because I want to dive into the game as the game should be mm-hmm. not how Oh, it's going to be like this. I'm going to play 15, 20 hours. Then I'm going to get a patch and the game's going to be changed right. or fixed. Right. Um, and so I think I think publishers are kind of, for the sake of just filling their quarterly uh, projections, they're kind of messing up the games industry. Um
1: well and it's and it's tough dude, because you and I have no idea how difficult it is to make games but then you hear some of these stories like Anthem was in development for six years you know and it came out and and you go what's been happening for six years Mm -hmm. you know and like surely not all six years have been the entire studio completely focused on that game Um, but you know, it's just one of those things where it's it's confusing at times. Like, sure. Because you know, you had Mass Effect come out, and then Mass Effect Two came out what, like three years later? Yeah. And it's one of the greatest games ever made. Mm-hmm. Like, it's on- honestly, it's so good. Right. From start to finish, story is incredible. Your decisions make, uh, make impact. The the loot was str- like not the loot, but the progression was streamlined. It made a lot of sense. You felt powerful. It was fun to play. The mechanics were there. Like mm-hmm. everything was there from start, and it was made. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying they started from scratch three years beforehand, but they didn't have six years of sure. development time for this game, and so you hear times like that, timelines like that, and you just feel confused about like, well, I mean, what ha- like what happened? Yeah. You know, like uh, like we like as a consumer, I would honestly like to know not just like a not just like a critical thing, not just like how could you guys screw this up, you know, whatever it's like. But seriously, like I I'm I'm con- I'm curious. I would like to know about this process. Yeah, and I think that. I think that most game players would... Oh, I say most, I don't know. I know that I would yeah. feel very interested in hearing the developer side of, like, why did this take so long? Yeah. What technological issues did you run into that made it too difficult mm-hmm. to be able to achieve the goal that you had, you said you were going to achieve? Right. You know. Same with Destiny. I mean, Destiny was... A, it was. I'm sorry, I, I don't mean to dominate the conversation. Oh, no, no, you're good. Destiny was announced, like, a year before it came out, or, like... Yeah, like 2013 I think E3, they're talking about the game and they way oversold it. Yep. Like they saw like a an open world sprawling adventure that you see that mountain you can go to it, which in my mind I was like Bungie's going to make an open world like <laughs> yeah. like RPG exploring game. Yeah. Like I don't you know, but but then it came out and it was just a shell of that. You yep. know, it was so uh, like it was not at all what it was supposed to be based on what they said it was going to be. And I, you want to hear the story of like what happened? Uh, there, there are two. I think there are two. So coming
0: from the dev side of it, um, one is budget. So they have to sell the idea to the publisher before they can even start yeah. developing it. Yeah. So they'll go through this uh, phase where they're developing systems, uh, the engine. They're trying to get to a tech demo stage right. to present to the publisher. Right. And at that time, it could take a year, two years to develop that. Yeah. Um. And then they, and it could just be a team of like twenty people or thirty people. Right. Um. Doing that while the majority of the the, um, the the company is working on something else. that's yeah. actually bringing the money. Right. And so um, they sit there and work and program and reiterate and refine and reiterate and refine. And yeah. and then they get to this point where they present it to the publisher. And then the publisher gives them a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Right. And if if right. they do get a thumbs up, then it's like, here's the money hire the people you need at that point yeah and then the then the team kind of explodes at that point and then they start flushing out systems and start right. refining um so a game like anthem it could have been in a um just getting the systems uh going for like two or three years right uh it could have been in a tech demo stage for three four years and then the last two years it's like all right so now let's start producing the, the, content. the yeah, like, yeah, content. All right, the yeah. javelin, the story, yeah. yeah. Um like how, how it's going to work. Yeah. Well, and so it's 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 part of like balancing between um making the publisher happy and actually getting the product
1: to a good place. Yeah. And that makes sense like I, and again, like I, I don't know how to express this enough like I want to be sensitive to the fact that being a developer is incredibly difficult. Sure. Yeah. And these people are making Next to nothing yep. compared to the uh, publishers. I mean, you hear these stories about Activision CEO. He makes a fifteen dollar, bo- a fifteen, million, it's fifteen dollars. He got a whole fifteen dollars. <laughs> Starbucks keep card. I hard. know. Going to McDonald's after this. <laughs> uh, we're celebrating, honey. Uh, I got some box wine. <laughs> um, no, he fifteen million dollar sign on bonus. Yeah. You know, and I'm sure that some of that was stocks and whatever. But yep. he still got all this just for. Becoming the CEO. Yep. He and was then, already in the company too. Yeah, he just I, moved positions. And I heard that he did some cool stuff, and that's great. Like it, I'm not doubting whether or not he deserved to become the CEO. But yeah. Then he got $15 million mm-hmm. for becoming the CEO. And then what do they do the next month? They lay off like the, 800 people. Yeah and you and while like boasting from what I understand record revenue now that is 2018 yeah, yeah and that doesn't necessarily mean they made record profits but they still made a ton of money and then laid off a ton of people
0: i think they made close to a billion dollars in profits was it profit i, think, I, I wasn't I think, sure if it was revenue or profit i think they made like 2.8 billion in revenue okay but then um you know after all the overhead and expenses i think it was close to a billion dollars they still made a, a hell of a lot of money it was
1: a ton of money i mean it was a lot it was, of money it was way more money than hearing that there are mass layoffs happening yep is like like those are it produces cognitive dissonance yeah absolutely <laughs> like, like you, you boasted record profits and then you laid off 800 people how does that make sense like and i'm sure that there's some business strategy that could people could argue about that but you come into a situation where it's just like the balance needs to be Changed sure. in some way. I understand that there's a balance between money, and you have to make a product, and people need to make money, and I get that. But it's and and the whole reason I brought it up was because developers are often the ones who get blamed for this stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to know because you don't know how much of this inner workings are happening. Yeah. Like, we could say it's all EA's fault that Anthem is the way that it is. But I don't know if that's necessarily the case. Apex Legends just came out. That mm-hmm. game is phenomenal. Yep. And it was released, I mean, it was published by EA. Mm-hmm. So EA can't all, they can't be bad for games just in general. You know, like yeah. they obviously are doing some things really well. Sure. And so, you know, you just kind of. Yeah,
0: the dev does take some credit. I mean, they have a lot of creative control over the project itself. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's like any, any book publisher too, you know. They they have a say in some parts of it. But right. But the author ultimately creates a story and has a lot of creative decisions. Um, so there is a little bit of uh um who really is to blame? Um who's to blame? But uh, so let's talk about Mass Effect Andromeda. Like okay, I yeah. mean when that game came out I think one of the biggest issues that it had against it, I guess strikes against it before it even came out was the expectation. Yeah,
1: you know I mean? that it sounds to me I never played Andromeda, but sure. it sounds to me like the biggest problem it had was that the first two words in its title were Mass Effect. Yep
0: absolutely i think
1: if they they went with a different title
0: um but said generic space adventure andromeda at at the (laughs) (laughs) yeah but just added like a mass effect game at the end or afterwards
1: you know (laughs) a mass effect story yeah Uh,
0: um yeah i mean it has nothing to do uh, with the original other than the fact that it's in the same universe yeah um And so, none of the same characters, nothing like that. But I think the expectation of the game is Mass Effect. By same universe,
1: we mean like our universe, exactly. (laughs) Uh,
0: But the the expectation there was so high because everybody loved uh, the Mass Effect series, not the third one, how it ended, but uh, the series itself. Everybody loved the games, and um, it just. I think for most people that played it, it had a really special place in their hearts f- for it, and then uh, so the expectation was already super high, and yeah. then the um, I think what they were trying to do with the game was uh, more than they should have reached for. Mm. Uh, Because they try to do this big, expansive thing. Like, I think the word that kept getting thrown around to begin with was open world, but then they tried to clarify that it is not an open world game. There are big, big maps on this, but it is not an open world game. I think they tried to make that distinction clear. At that point, all the expectation had been made, and they're trying to do, um, uh, you know, control the... The situation at that point, but yeah. at that point they're already in a bad place. That's why um, the expected uh, Metacritic score was so high, and then when it crashed, mm. it it killed them. It right. killed the game. Yeah, um, and it
1: really did. Get, I mean, EA completely moved. I mean, from what I understand, EA basically demanded that that development team be moved on the anthem like they're, yeah they're not, they're not going to make a better andromeda like right
0: and they they had are at the i think they had shut down one of bioware studios moved them all to um ea motive one of their studios hmm. um but i think at that point like and the i mean mass effect had had a lot of issues in development they had to rewrite the whole story like a year and a half
1: before i feel like that's happening a lot
0: but yeah um I think it's it's a big issue when games have to be rushed out. I, I wish publishers could just say, let's just take the hit this quarter or the next two quarters. They're not going to lose money per se. They're just not going to meet their projected... That's the big thing is they have yeah. these projected and to make stockholders happy about the coming year. Um, and I think if they can just say, we're going to take a hit, meaning we're not going to make as much money as we thought we were going to make, but we're still going to make profits... And when the game comes out, it's gonna be an actually a good game, rather yeah. than
1: let's just release this, see what happens, we'll patch it later. Well, if you think about it honestly, the the big money for EA have, has never been a Bioware game. No, no, it's not at all. all. I mean, right now, I mean, uh, the biggest money maker for EA is FIFA. Sure. I mean, they make ungodly amounts of money on microtransactions Absolutely. in FIFA and it's honestly insane. If you want to watch a video that will turn your stomach, watch Skill-Up's video on the uh, Wilson loot box, I think mm-hmm. is what he calls it, um, just talking about the incredible business model they have there. it. so it's like, it's like you're going to make money off Mass Effect, like mm-hmm. you would, but it wouldn't be the same as like, this game that's going to constantly consistently produce hundreds of millions of dollars Mm -hmm. you probably could wait another three months or another year or whatever to produce a game that people will universally recognize as good because I just can't imagine how that's really even better any better for business right of course I'm not I'm not a business guy so I don't know maybe well that's how um, so it's kind of like
0: a lot of good... So I'm going to take it down to like woodworkers. So a lot of really good woodworkers, they don't make their money off these big extravagant tables and stuff they're making. They find like something that's small and that they can reproduce quickly, like a cutting board or something small, and they just batch those out in a hurry. And those are the big money makers to be able to spend the time to make the big extravagant pieces. Yeah. And they'll make a profit on the big pieces, but those are kind of... So relating it back to video games i think that's what they should be doing is ea should be looking at okay what's our money makers fifa uh madden um the sports games that we can actually do transactions and not be a big deal because it's it's kind of expected of those games yeah and let's let's let these creative studios take these first person games first person um games like uh mass effect and uh anthem and let's let them have some creative freedom let them stretch their creative muscle, and let's let's see what this game could be. Oh, if you have to delay, that's fine. You know, we're still making money off this other thing,
1: and it will cre- and, it, and it will create a loyal fan base. I mean, I guarantee Absolutely. there are people to this day who are playing Mass Effect Two and having a blast oh, yeah. doing it.
0: Absolutely. Know? And the thing is, like Mass Effect Andromeda, it did release with a lot of really bad bugs, but. I mean, I have probably 80 hours into that game, and I think it plays so well. And I think it controls better than the other Mass Effect games. Too. Well,
1: I was going to say, one of the only critiques I really have from the Mass Effect trilogy, besides the ending of the third game, right? I could talk for a long time about that, <laughs> uh, is that the controls feel clunky sometimes. Sure. Like, And that's how I feel about third-person games in general. Like, Probably the most fluid third-person game or third-person games i ever played were Gears of War. I think yeah. Division is pretty fluid, too, but... Yeah. it. it It just feels clunky at times and mass effect 2 felt that way like i remember playing as you know certain character types and it just it didn't feel right to move in certain ways directions but i saw a buddy of mine playing andromeda he was playing pvp and it looked amazing i was Mm -hmm. like man you can do so much you can double jump and you can it's like you have a lot more mobility than i ever thought that they could make right (laughs) because their, because <laughs> their character models were so clunky all the right. time, and my first bioware game was KOTOR, and so that definitely <laughs> was not like you basically just ran. That's yeah, all your right. character could, you know could do. Um, well, that was a big thing. Like
0: Mass Effect one through three, you couldn't jump. No, it was always climbing. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but in Mass that's Effect that's Andromeda, you had they added a jump and the mobility that added 600 just added years a in the jump, future humans could jump they can finally <laughs> jump but yeah that was a, that was an incredible thing about it like i felt like oh this is amazing this yeah. feels so amazing so being able to dodge and um and duck dive and dip <laughs> and dodge. <laughs> dodge don't forget dodge <laughs> no there's just some mobility in it just made it feel like such a more fluid game even in the gunplay it just made yeah. everything feel better i can you know dodge and jump out of out of the way or get into yeah. a position where i can use an ability really quickly rather than having to go into cover and then run out or jump over the cover and run towards them and then do, then do the ability yeah i felt more fluid mm-hmm. um Kind of in the way that Anthem feels. Like right. when you're trying to get in position to do an
1: ability, it's, right.
0: it feels fluid because yeah. you have that mobility. And I,
1: and I think that the mobility in Anthem is one of the strongest things it's got going for sure. it. I mean, you really can jump around and the dodge feels good and the flying feels pretty good. I, I haven't heard people talk about this, but I feel like the flying a little bit is like a sprint mechanic. It is. It is. Exactly. <laughs> That's what it is. Because <laughs> I remember when Reach came out, Halo Reach came out and you could <laughs> you could put on like a bonus on your character so you could sprint See, to be able to sprint yeah and all of the Call of Duty fanboys were like that's so lame like we've been on a sprint for <laughs> yeah. three years or whatever you know yeah. and our, our three years ago like on three games ago because they have one coming out every year right and they could sprint like non-stop and this super soldier can sprint for like 15 seconds right. and has to catch his breath <laughs> um and I remember thinking like that's that's pretty that's pretty valid. It makes sense. You're sprinting, it's like why why can't they sprint? And then I started playing Anthony and I was like, This is a sprint mechanic. This is a limited sprint mechanic. I can fly and then my <laughs> my booster like overheats yep. and I have to fly down or fly through a waterfall or fly mm-hmm. near water so I can sprint a little longer. But then you're going like, Why? Like, why is that really a thing? Like, I can call down, li- I can call down lightning right. every eight seconds with that game, but I can only fly <laughs> for fifteen.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's kind of one of
1: those things where they
0: kind of design the mechanics first, and then, or they they design kind of the world first, and then build the mechanics around that. Which should be, I think, in Anthem's case, is like, why can't the the flying be a lot longer? And then, because I don't think it would hurt anything. I think the fact that they should make it to where it's like, maybe if you take so many hits, you go down. Yes, or like,
1: because there are enemies in the game that overheat your yeah your suit. Or or they web you to the ground or something. Something like that, yeah. Like, limit your ability. And I think there are, like, suppression fields in the game. Mm -hmm. I saw some, like, you couldn't fly in a certain area because the enemy had something. Sure. And it's like, yeah, that's frustrating. It just, it was one of those things where, like, you're, you're Iron Man, like... Right. Iron Man only had battery issues in the first movie yeah right. <laughs> you know like right. why is my guy I don't know maybe they need
0: somewhere to go for the next game
1: yeah maybe so Anthem
0: 2 you can fly uh, <laughs> Infinity
1: it's like so. one thing that Superman 64 did was make you not feel like Superman right <laughs> and it's like that's not that's not a great idea anyway yeah. um, i would say what we, we did mention in in this whole conversation I feel like we've I feel like my train of thought has not been super clear and I apologize for that but it's like we want to be we want to be empathic to developers who are pouring their heart and soul and time and effort and energy into these games. Sure. Because I know that they are. Like yeah. I know that Bioware is passionate about making Anthem a great game. And I think some of the backlash they're getting is actually not got anything to do with Anthem. Sure. I think some of it has to do with some of these players are Destiny players. Yeah. That started playing that game and then waited a year for the Taken King to come out and then the game got amazing. Right, it was good and then it got amazing. And then some of these people are play, who played Division and they mm-hmm. played it for a like they played it for a year and then it got amazing right. because they finally were able to update it enough. Or they played Destiny 2. I am a Destiny player. I fully recognize that both of those games came out and states they should not have come out in. Yeah, yep. you know, and and it's like. I've I've, I've done this. Like, I've done the thing where the game came out and it's okay Mm -hmm. or it's good, but it's not really what you promised it would be. It's really not what I expected it to be. It's really not what it should be. Right. And I have to wait again another six months or a year for it to be the game that it's supposed to be. Right. And I think they came out in a time when that's happened just too much and people are sick of it. They're just tired of it happening. And so it's not really even their fault. Mm-hmm. Like if they were the first game to do it, and maybe maybe Destiny was the game coming out now, Destiny would be the one being like, we're, "It's not worth our time. We're right. not doing it because we've already done it."
0: <laughs> yeah, it's the first person that screws up. Uh, I mean, you'll fool everybody with the first one, but right. everything after that, they're going to be a lot more cautious. Yeah. Uh, so let's get into those uh, games that were kind of run a little behind, but let's get into those games that were considered not great, but kind of worked their way into the good column yeah um, destiny of course is one of them um for yeah. for many reasons i mean i i recently watched uh the i guess the the demo gameplay for for the the first one that came out to the one that the, came the out in A3, yeah yeah and it yeah. looks like a completely different <laughs> game Completely yep. different. The weapons, the gun, gunplay. I'll be able to see my it.
1: friend just fly in here. Yeah, <laughs> <No.
0: laughs>
1: <laughs> it just looks so. I'll different. just pick up the Thunderlord right here. No, <laughs> right. So I think
0: part of that goes into like curbing expectations again. You know, they they start off in a negative spot if they keep <laughs> if they keep like putting yeah. out, oh, this is what it's gonna be, or it's gonna be this amazing thing, or it's gonna, you know, and. Yeah. And then it just goes crazy. People start speculating. Yeah,
1: and it goes it goes into that whole thing where they really have to sell it. They have to sell it, and so I think I don't think they're lying. Like I think at E 3 2013, that's what they thought Destiny was going to be. Right. I don't think Bungie came out and was just like, we're gonna lie to them about all this stuff that's not gonna be in the game. Right. Like I think they want it to be there. I've been reading that book, Blood, Sweat, and Pixels, mm-hmm. and there are times when people will be working on a build for two, three, four months, and then they play it, and it just isn't fun. Yep. Like it. Like they're like this. And technically, it works. Yep. But it's not enjoyable. Mm-hmm. And you have to go all the way back to the drawing board to fix whatever that thing is, that magic thing that fun is. Yeah. And so, I mean, like I said, I, I don't know how hard it is to do this. It's got to be freaking hard. But Destiny promised a whole lot that it did not
0: Absolutely, deliver on. And that yeah. was
1: one of the first times that I learned, like, basically, like, oh, the thing they showed E3 is really not the thing. Yeah. To you okay. a grain of salt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, well, that might. So when. <laughs> So when Anthem was shown a year ago, I was like, yeah. Mm, maybe. Yeah, exactly. It's the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, you're telling me I can fly from that base all the way down to that big storm and no loading at all or anything. I was like, mm, we'll see. I mean, even the, when they flew
0: up and there's that giant grill that came out of nowhere and just started smashing stuff, and then yeah. the player was like, oh, we'll we'll come back to this and play it later. And right. Everybody was like, oh, I want to fight that thing when when the game comes out. <laughs> yeah. Where where is it? <laughs> like, <laughs> Is that not one of the Titan things? Oh, they, oh, they killed it in development. So we didn't have (laughs) to. Thank God. Uh, Yeah. It's
1: just one of those things to where the, the world felt alive during that demo, but even just finding a, finding a gun in the open world. That was, that you could see what gun it was. That would be beautiful. If you can find that gun and then equip it immediately. Look, I picked up a triangle (laughs) or a diamond or whatever. It's like, that's all it is like in the game. I mean, it's a small thing, but I think it's important. And, uh, yeah, so when I saw that demo I was like well we'll see yep, yep, yep. and that's because I've been burned by Destiny yep, yep, yep. so okay so let's go from the games that were bad into good, Destiny
0: is one of them what made it not so great when it came out and what, what was it that flipped that switch to be
1: a good game I think the thing with Destiny, it had such fun gameplay mm-hmm. Destiny was the last game in a while or the first game in a while when I first started playing it that I I rented it because I didn't have enough money to buy it <laughs> I played it till 5 o'clock the next morning. Right. Just because the gameplay was fun. That's something that Destiny has always had right. It feels good to shoot things. Yep. It feels good to use your super and blow up a group of enemies. Like, it it just is fun to do that. Still playing Destiny 2 right now. I've got like three hours to get some different stuff done. I will find myself just taking a break to shoot things because it's fun to do. So the mechanics were there. It had an interesting world. The world bin- building was good. The story itself sucked. Right. It was a pretty game, but the story and all that. The story really had nothing there. So what made Destiny good? What what it needed was a story. And right. They, and I so I think when they released The Taken King, they had a really compelling story, that that was weaved into the end game. Mm-hmm. And so like a lot of the issues that people had with Destiny One vanilla mm-hmm. were resolved. Right. And so. It's kind of like one of those things where it's like the pieces aren't there, and then they get filled in later. So kind of a similar thing happens with No Man's Sky. Yeah, like No Man's Sky was the first game. I mean, it's still honestly like technologically, it's pretty incredible. Yeah, it is. And it was released as like you can you can go here, you can meet other people, like you all that kind of stuff. But it was released. It was half baked. Yeah, they released and a they released a, an update for it. A huge
0: huge update to well, like they went dark. They went completely dark. <laughs> that's because um, uh, the the CEO, I forgot his name, Sean. Sean Yeah, Sean Murray. B- Sean Murray. He 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 promised a bunch of things that weren't in the game. Yeah. And that might be one of the things to again where they thought it was going to be in the game, yeah. but then publishers are pushing the game. We need the game to come out. The game has to come out. If the game doesn't come out, we're going to cut funding. Yeah. That sort of thing. So they're they're stuck in a in a between a rock and a hard place to where should we release this game in this unfinished state in the state that we we didn't promise it in? Right. Or do we not release it, lose our funding, and potentially the game never comes out? Right. So that's kind of a tough place to be in. And I think a lot of people give uh, crap to Sean Murray. But um, I mean, look at Sony. They even threw um, uh, Sean Murray and and the developer under the bus with it. Mm. And it was a pretty crappy thing to do. Mm. But I mean, look at it. It's not like they weren't capable of it, because they did one huge patch, and it fixed a bunch of stuff and added so, so much content. And then they did People another big patch. Now. Yeah, it's huge. And I, I, I bought the game when it first came out. I bought it uh, day one because I was like, this is a game I wanted to play forever game to be so able young. to fly into. <laughs> now I'm jaded. No, <laughs> yeah. I, I thought it was a it was a really, again, good tech demo. I thought it was a fantastic yes. tech demo. Good tech demo, yeah. But it was not a complete game, especially it wasn't the game that was promised. Right. And again, like curbing those expectations, is just such a huge thing um same thing with division um i mean it wasn't as bad but division had a lot of really good mechanics and the the gunplay the teamwork the all that stuff was really good the ai the enemy ai was really good too um but again it was just missing stuff it was just missing a big part maybe the creative side the technical side was great but the creative side was was missing
1: Mm. um yeah i remember the game functioned well mm-hmm. I mean, i think what i a lot of what i heard about that game was like lack of content yeah because with these open not these open but these like looter shooter games like you kind of the kind of whole idea is like to get stronger and stronger and stronger so yep. you can do the next thing mm-hmm. and if you run out of those things like i think borderlands 2 is the only one that really nailed the formula oh yeah you know because it's one of those things where people still play borderlands 2 like they love that yeah. game and it did have the story and it yeah, that's another thing, too. Just uh, There's a lot of thoughts I have. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's all jumbled up in there. But The Division, I think, for me, the story, the world didn't grab me. Yeah. Like, I tried playing the story, and I would, I would go... I, I may have talked about this in the last episode or something like that, but I remember I was, like, assaulting this guy's base, and, and the guy should have had... Like reason to sound emotional, right. like or passionate about something. He, his like his whole family was murdered, like yeah. on the day of this outbreak, and you're like, man, that's sad. But he's del- the <laughs> the delivery of all these lines is like, I feel like a, a brick was talking. Yeah, like my whole family was murdered, and now you're coming after me and my boys. You yeah. know, and you're like, I don't. Tobias Junky right there. I was completely taken out of the experience. Yeah, I, right. I was just like, okay, well I'm not I don't care about you or mm-hmm. this you know, whatever happened with your story. <laughs> right. <laughs> are you sure they were your kids? Are you sure you didn't kill them yourself, you know? Like I don't know. So I yeah. yeah, I think aspects of that. And then like content. So they released more and more stuff. They got these gear sets that you get really creative mm-hmm. with the build that you want to have, and then they have these different modes that you can plan that are really fun. And, right. So division is now like where it should be, and and division two, from what I hear, is pretty promising. It's it's I th-
0: you know they a lot of people are saying it's it's just the same game. Well, I think it's a lot of what they did really really well, and they improved a lot <laughs> of the stuff that needed to be improved. So it's yeah. like it's like division one was the uh, the demo, and then division <laughs> right. two is the actual game. Same thing with uh, like Mass Effect one and Mass Effect two. You know, there's a lot of things in there that was like why do I have to scan these planets and then, <laughs> then mass effect two happens like, Oh, it's, it's a lot faster to scan and planets a lot, now. Yeah. A lot faster. Yeah. Um, you know, everything felt a lot more streamlined, refined. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, I think, um, I hate having to go through that process now of like the first game is just, let's test the water, see what works, see what yeah. doesn't. And then the second one is going to be the good game.
1: Right. Um, well, you hope it is. You You
0: hope it's a good one. Yeah. Um,
1: Okay, so let's get into good games. How about these games that came out fully baked?
0: Yeah. So like uh, Ocarina of Time, Legend of Zelda, Ocarina yeah. of Time. You yeah. you have a very intimate
1: uh, relationship <laughs> with this game. <laughs> uh, that's one way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> I only played it once. I yeah. only played it once. I was in like junior high or high school. It was right when the GameCube came out because yeah. my brother-in-law got a copy of Wind Waker. Um, or maybe a, not right when the GameCube came out, but he had a copy of Wind Waker, and the version he got had ocarina of time remastered Mm. and he let me use it he let me borrow it and so i played that game and i just it's just incredible like the story itself is phenomenal it's a super simple story yep but there's so many aspects of that game that technologically and artistically just suck people in right and you you're the controls work well the the story is interesting. I mean, graphically at the time it was nice. Now it's like a bunch of triangles laying on top yep. of each other, and you know you're kind of wonder why, why did I think that looked good. <laughs> but you know, but at the same time, it's like it would just everything worked, and yep. you, it was fascinating to travel back and forth in time and see how the world changed and be able to open up new areas by the new abilities or items that you got. It just everything worked, right? And it worked well, and it worked the day it was released <laughs>
0: so like right off the bat one of the characteristics i think that makes a, a good game good is um like know what you're trying to do with yeah. the game yeah and do that yeah so um like anthem they're saying we want to make this big open world game well then you need to work on making a big open world game legend of zelda it's not a big open world game it's mm. fairly it's it's borderline linear linear type of game yeah but i'd say it's fairly linear but yeah but it's like let's not do crazy combat stuff let's keep it simple Mm -hmm. um let's not do crazy crazy bosses and just throw waves and waves of enemies at you let's just
1: make these enemies good let's not have any it's like you're solving puzzles over and over again i mean Mm -hmm. that's a lot of what it is there's some combat involved but you're constantly solving puzzles and getting new tools to open up and solve other puzzles Mm -hmm. And it feels really satisfying. And I think that's, yeah. that's
0: one thing that um, platformers do. They are super simple. their mechanics are always super simple, um, but what they do, they do really well. Yeah
1: Celeste isn't like trying to blend like RPG elements along with platforming, not to say I mean that could be pretty fun, but <laughs> but the game is is incredibly simple, but it's unified. And it always feels like from start to finish, or I say, I haven't finished it yet. It feels <laughs> like start to a middle of the game where I'm at. Uh, (laughs) it feels like a unified goal and vision for the story and and that's part of what it is is to tell a compelling story through a video game using basic controls i mean the controls are pretty much the same like from start to finish like again start to the middle uh like you jump (laughs) you have dash and you can climb and that's that's what it is but it's not trying to blend um uh,
0: open world yeah or
1: aspects of the game that just make it where it, it doesn't work right like 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 fallout 76 is trying to do by having an open world thing with a bunch of friends that also is trying to tell a com- compelling story because if part of the story is listening to a five minute long tape of a dead person or <laughs> reading like three or four page long entries and a computer screen while the right. y- all your buds are all like dicking around like yeah <laughs> you know, it just doesn't work like it, it's it's at odds with itself yeah absolutely
0: uh, I think that's uh, that's something that uh, kind of annoys me about the Division is they have these super, super long tapes. And, you know, they're part of the um, <laughs> yeah, achievements. Know. You know, you, you pick these tapes up, but they play on for like a minute and a half, two minutes sometimes. Uh, maybe it's not that long. It just feels that long. But if you're doing that 50, however many times you do it in the game... It's really hard not to hold X to skip it because (laughs) it's not necessary. I know you're trying to add, but I mean, keep those things short. Keep them super short. Keep them 15, 20 seconds long um, and try to build the world in some other way.
1: Yeah. Well, one thing like I really respect about Anthem is they're not trying to do PVP. Sure. A lot of people have been like, this game won't have staying power because it doesn't have PVP. I could not disagree more mm-hmm. i think it was incredibly smart of them not to do pvp in this game because it's not a pvp game absolutely i think pvp would be really clunky i think it would not work well i think it'd be really dissatisfactory experience and i think they have they found a vision they want it to be a pve mm-hmm. uh, a group game and i think they've committed to that vision and i think there are some things in the game that make that really work like right. that it has so many matchmaking thing, like opportunities for different Missions and that none none of the missions require a super ton of coordination, so you can play with random people or right. you can get your friends together if you want to coordinate a little bit more. But once th- they've committed to that vision of it being a PVE cooperative game, and it's working, I think I think that is working for them.
0: Right, I think um, I think that's somewhere. Rockstar make, they make incredible games. Uh, the Grand Theft Auto games, uh, Red Dead Redemption, they make these really incredible games. But I think they make them to work in a single player or first player uh or single player kind of um story right when you go to pvp it just feels so off and feels so wrong because the way that they they develop the combat is uh you have this kind of development in the actual gunfight when you get into you know the npcs move a certain way you move a certain way you're supposed to shoot a certain way um and it feels really great when you're playing by yourself but then when you start to do that with other players trying to shoot other players it feels so wrong and if right. it doesn't work like i i tried to play grand theft auto 5 multiple times online and it just sucked to me. Yeah, uh, yeah. There are probably people that really love online um, Grand Theft Auto Five, but are <laughs> <just>, all sociopaths. <laughs> it just, yeah, it, I, I hated it. I absolutely hated it. And I really, really wanted to play heist, like cooperative. So I think, yeah. like cooperative, I think that could work mm-hmm. to that gameplay, but I think trying to do online, I think they're trying to milk it. Um, and it just
1: doesn't feel right. Yeah, yeah. Um, one game I think that really committed to a a vision that, that could have, because it's first person shooter type game, I think it could have incorporated things like PVP. And I think that even, I think Bioshock two did, but the first Bioshock I feel like was one that had a vision Mm -hmm. and and to me, it kind of fits in the same kind of story, um, group as like the Metro games. I've never played the Metro games, but it seems like those games are not about high octane, Stuff that you would normally see in a first-person shooter game mm. or an FPS. They they it seems like they're about telling a story through a first-person shooter perspective. Absolutely, it's got yeah. shooting elements in it, but it's not it's not Halo. It's not sure. Call of Duty. And Bioshock, in my mind, was like that. Bioshock to me is still one of the greatest games that's ever been made.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I
1: absolutely love that game, and uh, I would play it right now just because it's so much fun. It felt it felt so good. The story was incredible. Mm-hmm. Like I can if. No spoilers, but you know, would you kindly? Like, I still remember that as yeah. like a uh, like a like a watershed moment in video game storytelling for me. Yeah, because it was one of the first times that I was exposed to like a twist of that magnitude, and I was in that story,
0: mm-hmm.
1: all in, and that happened. and I was blown away. Um, and it's it's like there's nothing in it that makes it like gives it uh, longevity. You know, it's, it's like there's nothing in, uh, longevity <laughs> longevity. <laughs> Sorry, I was thinking longitudinal because <laughs> I'm a statistician. Oh, my gosh. longevity, y'all. Y'all heard it here. New word. <laughs> <That's>, yeah. it's <laughs> like George Bush. But it's, <laughs> Strategery. <laughs> we have a longevity plan. <laughs> so it doesn't give it longevity. Like, I'm not going to sit there and play that game for 60, 70, sure. 80 hours. But the twenty hours I spend in it are yeah. going to be fun from start to finish. And
0: it's going to draw you in. That's the thing. They yeah. they started off with this mission, and I can't say we're finish because gonna... I did I did beat that. Game. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the mission was to tell this story. Yeah. Let's start there. All right. What's the story we're going to tell? This is the story we want to tell. Okay. How do we want to tell it? Right. Now let's develop the game gameplay around that. And see what we can make work and what doesn't. Because mm-hmm. the thing is, like, everything felt right in that game. Yeah. Everything about the gameplay, the combat, everything yep. just felt right. The yep. abilities just... And it made sense within the story. And, then. and moments were given to... Uh, that allowed
1: development in certain areas. Like, and your decision-making mattered.
0: Yeah. So it's like, yeah. let's let's allow this moment to land. Let's allow this moment to develop. Uh, which is something that I think, like Red Dead Redemption, does uh, very mm. well. Mm. Let's let this moment sink in. Sure. Let's take our time with this part of the game. Right. Um, and I think uh, that's why God of War works so well. Mm. Uh, they they let moments land and they take their time with it. Yeah.
1: I, I I actually never played God of War, but I watched pretty much the entire game get played. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Fruit was doing a playthrough, of, and I watched virtually every episode. And I can remember there just this way that they develop they oh my gosh that game is genius the way it delivers the story absolutely it's just incredible like these fights that you have with loki at the beginning of the game Mm -hmm. look amazing and then as like uh not loki i'm sorry um uh uh, what was it balder no um i think it was balder yeah uh like the the main antagonist in the game like you Mm -hmm. get introduced and there's this massive epic fight that's just awesome you feel powerful and then you get to see the story where um um, Kratos is talking to his son and like explaining who he is and and these moments real they're very satisfying yeah Probably absolutely satisfying the story is honestly just incredible and uh, everything I saw I can't comment on the gameplay but it looked amazing yeah absolutely yeah and
0: same thing when I when I was watching it too um, it wasn't like a boring kind of repetitive thing it was the story was like I, I watched a uh, um, a little bit of uh, lit playing it I think it was lit you yeah I think he was playing it oh okay, um, yeah. And uh I mean just watching the little bit that I did, I got drawn into the oh, characters yeah. that were there. Hundred percent. Um, there's those two blacksmiths or uh, whoever it was they yeah. had such a great personality. Dwarves, yeah. yeah, and and from then on, like it impacted uh what they were trying to do, um, what the player was trying to do and the, the game mechanics work within the story that's trying to be told. So it's like, yep. what are they trying to do with that game? They're trying to tell a story. Mm-hmm. So let's build the game around that. All right, what's the story we're going to tell? Yeah. How are we going to tell the story? We don't need an open world. Let's let's create these little areas in the way that right. the player goes through it. They, can, they have some freedom in how they want to go through it. But we don't need a big, sprawling open world for that. Right. Um, you know, this is how we want the combat to go. This is how we want abilities to be used. This is how we want enemies to attack. That there needs to be moments of where you feel a little weaker or you feel super strong.
1: And it was a huge risk for them because if you look at the tone of that game compared to the tone of every other God of War game, yeah. it's so different. Absolutely, There's so much, uh, honestly, just kind of like raw anger mm-hmm. and aggression in the first three, yep. not to mention like like tons of adult themes like excessive nudity and mm-hmm. sexuality and, and cre- like very, very violent, you know, mm-hmm. and then they take this the this, this same character and they place him in a different area of the world with a completely different tone. Yep. And, because when I first saw it, I was expecting that kind of third person constantly flying combos way over the top action mm-hmm. and it was over the top but it felt grounded and it was somber in some ways telling a sadder story of an uh, older wiser but also bitter Kratos, you know, and, and it like they just they t- they they took a risk but they committed to that vision and it paid off. Right. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Um and I think that's the interesting thing is uh, a lot of the games on our list um you know Witcher 3, Half-Life 2, um uh Red Dead Redemption 2, a lot of them it's it's not let's do everything we can do in any game that we've ever done. It's <laughs> Right. Let's figure out what this game is going to be right off the bat, and then let's stick to that. Yeah, let's not create any crazy, um, you know, earth-shattering type new mechanic or some crazy yeah, thing. Let's yeah. just do. And that's why I think the division is 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 going to do well with Division Two, is because it's like. We already wrote this book. Let's they found their why thing. Let's why think. rewrite it. Yeah. uh why not just go with what we have and in, improve upon it? So like we the, already the abilities. have the book.
1: Why do what Division why do what Destiny Two did? Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> why rewrite the whole thing? No. Yeah. So like even the abilities, there are a lot of uh, abilities that are the same, but then they've improved upon it. So yeah. um, now you have a sniper um mount yeah I saw, like the different you've got classes. A, yeah. a drone now um and it makes sense within the world and you can so it's like and, and like some of the stuff they added towards the end of division one they're they're adding to division two right. now as part yeah. of the the basics right. um armor stuff and and it's just it's that's i think that's smart that's smart if you know something works don't try to go crazy with that that's why mass effect kept getting better with each one that came out um as far as mechanics and gameplay and how they delivered yeah they improved um, what worked exactly so yeah. apex legends um yeah I, same I, story right
1: i think so for sure cuz it's not there's not really a story like it's it's mm-hmm. one game mode it's a battle royale mm-hmm. so we all know what's happening here but it does battle royale in my opinion better yeah. than any battle royale has because uh, like, say you're playing with a team in Fortnite, you can't ping anything. Like, you, mm-hmm. you have to be able to say, you have to call it a direction, and that's a... You know, Fortnite was kind of stepping... I mean, I think, the like, that and PUBG were stepping into unknown territory with, like, the radar system that they had, yeah. or where you can at least call it a number. Mm-hmm. But the ping system just makes so much sense. You play Apex Legends, and you're like, how did I ever play a BR with yeah. other people without this? Yep. It, and they, they achieved it at a masterful level. I mean, it's honestly... Yeah. Incredible and yeah, so I think they they picked a vision. This is a battle royale, that's all it is, Mm -hmm. and they have achieved it at at a level that I think no other game has come close.
0: Well, I think battle royale is they take a certain kind of person to play, um, especially Fortnite. Um, yeah, but the thing is, I think uh, Apex Legends, uh, it, it starts off saying, okay, what do they do well? what makes this less accessible to more people. Yes. And they improve upon it. So, like, I think gunplay has always been kind of an issue with Battle Royals. I've never really felt like gunplay felt good in any BRs Mm -hmm. other than this one. Mm -hmm. This one, I went straight from Destiny to playing Apex Legends. Everything felt right. Yeah. Everything felt smooth. Even the abilities, they made sense. The passive, the active, the super abilities. They just made sense and they worked well and they're balanced. So it's like, why have four abilities when we can do two properly right. let's make sure these right. are flushed out right. there's a basic one and there's an ultimate one
1: and none of them none of them are clearly better than any other Absolutely. which is another which is another honestly mm-hmm. like how they juggle that balance of things cuz right. that's something you have to think about in a competitive game is it going to come out that there's one thing that always works better than something else mm-hmm. and i think for character design no I I think that every character is viable in different ways. And depending on how you play that character, they could be incredible or they Mm -hmm. could be really mediocre. I play, like, for instance, I play Pathfinder, the robot with the grapple and the zip line. Mm -hmm. And when I first saw it, I was like, he has a grapple? Like, how is that going to be effective here? And now I'm playing it and I can... Swim, I, can, I can grapple a corner of a building and yeah. then turn my body in a certain way so that it launches me like 40 or 50 feet yeah. in front of me. <laughs> so his
0: thing is mobility.
1: And my, yeah, yeah, it's it mobility. It makes him super it's agile. It's getting away. I'm super agile. I can get on top of things and shoot down on other people. I can mm-hmm. traverse areas like no other character can. Right. And... It's stupid fun <laughs>
0: right um, I've I've um, fallen into uh, uh, what's his name blood something bloodhound bloodhound yeah uh, I didn't really understand how he played I actually hated him the first time I played but then I was <laughs> I, I just I figured out he's a tracker uh-huh. like you can figure out where enemies are mm-hmm. with him yeah not a super powerful thing but it's it's so different from any other ability yeah and I ended up figuring it once I figured that out I was like okay this is how I need to play then right. I need to be a little more aggressive mm-hmm. because if I know where an enemy is, then there's no point in me sitting back trying to fire. Yeah. I need to go flank them, figure
1: out, you know. And you to... need to communicate with your team so you can be like, they Absolutely. were here 15 seconds ago. Like these tracks are fresh because like right. the rest of the characters, they walk into a building with open doors and they go, well, someone was here. Right, exactly. And so, <laughs> yeah, so that's, I think that's. <laughs> the call could be coming from inside the house. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, those doors are open too. They're probably <laughs> yeah. coming from that house too. <laughs> and Bloodhound Bloodhound knows. Like, right. now, they've been gone for like an hour, you know. You know.
0: Uh, but that's that's a really great thing about this design. It's like, let's keep it simple. Let's get these things right. Right. Um, we're not focusing on story. There's like a slight backstory here, but let's keep it vague. Let's not yeah. put too much focus on it.
1: Most people don't um, care about that for a BR. Exactly. I mean,
0: yeah. So it's like, why put your attention into that? Why put your focus into that? Mm-hmm. Let's let's do what we're gonna do. Well, okay. One game mechanics needs to be
1: perfect and the shooting is tight it feels good yeah exactly so i mean part.
0: transferring from any first person shooter you could probably jump into apex legends and just feel good yeah with it yeah um it's just the same thing with anthem like you can jump into it and just be like okay guns abilities i get it yeah i can yeah. that's why when we jumped in we were like okay i get this it, and it feels really didn't good. take long to figure out yeah. uh but Agreed. again like why add all this other, i mean anthem it's a really good um Mechanically, I think the ideas are there, but like, does it need to be an open world game? I don't know. Like, can it just be an expansive game? Is it an open world game without any loading screens? Right, exactly. (laughs) Like, you're trying to fake the open world thing, but it's not really an open world thing if I have to, like, fly into a cave and then go into a loading screen. I'm just like, well, that kind of takes me out of it and kind of screws up this whole feel that I had going with it. So, like, again, like focusing on what these games do well and, that's, that's where you put your attention into. Yeah. Don't try to bloat it with all this other right, stuff. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that's kind of what we have. Yeah. Um, you got any other thoughts on these games? No,
1: not really. I mean, I, I, one thing I did notice is that we could pick out really specific things that didn't work in games yeah. we didn't like or we thought that were bad it was harder to pick out specific things that we liked in games that we thought were good. And I think it's just because the entire experience just feels good. It feels rewarding. It feels fun. Or you feel like the – part of it is player feel. Mm -hmm. It's our artistic-ass experience. (laughs) (laughs) Artistic-ass. I was trying to say aspect. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, it's the artistic experience. that the technological stuff doesn't get in the way of and that's really fully realized either by a committed vision or, or whatever it may be right um yeah
0: yeah absolutely um i completely agree yeah just so um for all you listeners out there um hit us up let us know what uh what games you thought were really not so great and why and what games you thought were amazing and why. I know there are a lot uh, that wasn't on our list or things that we didn't talk about today, mm-hmm. uh, but they're out there. We know that. And uh, it's interesting to kind of... Those those games that we didn't talk about that are on your list, what are the similarities between our games and your games? Um, yeah. You know, check that out. When games are coming out, um, maybe have a little more... Um, think a little bit more about what those games are doing and seeing if they fall into these categories. Yeah. So before a game comes out, is it going to be good? Is it going to be bad? Why? Uh, what are the the precursors? What are the alarms that are going off about yeah. a game? And maybe that'll help you make a better decision about...
1: And I, and I honestly hope that we can get to a place, and I don't know how well I've done this even today, but we can get to a place where we can critique something without ripping the people who made it to shreds. Sure, you Absolutely. know, It's like, Anthem is really not a, the game for me. I think it's some, some pretty disappointing, but I know that the developers at Bioware, people are just work people like just like me, they're sure. investing time and energy and effort into something that they're really passionate about. I believe the same thing about Bethesda. Mm-hmm. I don't know what happened with Fallout seventy six. And that's part of it too. We don't know what's yeah. going on behind these closed doors that caused all these issues. And so a lot of what I hear is like people either give feedback one way or the other, they call the game trash and they call the developers trash, the publishers trash or whatever. And they're not. You know, like they're just people being people doing what they're trying to do. And I I am I am trying to learn this myself that if I give a critique not just to be sensational about it, you know, and I may have failed that today in Mm -hmm. some ways, but it's something I want to work on because if someone talked about my work that way, it would be it would not help me make a better game. It would just hurt. (laughs) Absolutely.
0: Yeah, when you're when you're thinking about what game what makes a a, a bad game bad, um, it's not I mean look at the entirety of the game. There are probably definitely games like this out there, but look at the entirety of the game and I bet you most of the game isn't bad. It's just a couple of big things that yeah. make it feel bad as a whole. Yeah. Um, and so I mean keep that in mind when you're when you're calling a game out or you know saying the devs did this wrong or you know the devs screwed up with this game. Uh, kind of think a little bit about that. you know what's it? Think about it from the dev's side. Like, what are the, the issues that they're having to deal with? Like, are they having to answer to the publisher or the consumer? I mean, most yeah. of the
1: time, it is that. And that doesn't mean do you that. have to like what they did sure. as a decision. And just I just think that the way that we go about having these conversations is just as important as the conversations themselves. Absolutely. And it's not something I'm perfect at. I'm trying to work on it myself mm-hmm. just because... It's a lot more complicated than I thought it would be.
0: Sure, but we're gamers, and these are games that we buy, and these are games that we play, and, and we're passionate we can about we it, can absolutely yeah. have opinions about it, good or bad. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing. Let's let's have conversations about it, and uh, uh, let's keep the the rocks on the ground rather than throwing them at the developers. <laughs> um, and so, <laughs> rocks uh, yeah, are happy on the ground. Um, so yeah, uh, hopefully this has been a pretty interesting podcast. And uh, if you they do nice have those thinking.
1: thoughts. Where can we? Uh, where could they post them?
0: Yeah. So we got an Instagram. It's. Uh, the EG Podcast, uh, Instagram, uh, Twitter, um, it's the same. So, Twi- Twittergram, Twist, Twist, Twistergram, Twistergram. Yeah,
1: that's the next new social media. Uh, we're experience. starting a social media called Twistergram. <laughs> uh, no, Twitter and <laughs> it's Instagram. Just, it's just pictures of people playing Twister. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be good. It's gonna be <laughs> so <laughs> It'll good. be great, yeah. Uh,
0: but yeah, uh, you know, leave, leave us uh,
1: messages, comments. Um, yeah, you can also you can also post directly to me. Mm-hmm. Um, Twitter.com forward slash sketch two, five, six.
0: Yep. And check out, uh, check out Twitch or, uh, sketch 256s Twitch. That's really hard to <laughs> Twitch. say.
1: Twitch.tv forward slash sketch two, five, six. There it is. Yeah. He says it more than I do. That's true. Uh,
0: but yeah, check him out. He's often, uh, streaming, uh, twice a week, right? Yeah.
1: trying twice a week at least. And then maybe sometimes extra.
0: Yep. And, uh, yeah. And so just, uh, have some conversations of your own amongst your own friends and yeah, uh, maybe have some conversations with us about this kind of stuff
1: yeah that'd be great
0: yep and we'll uh we'll talk to you guys in the next one see you next time